0: Hi, I'm David Goforth, pastor at Grace Baptist Church. So glad that you're taking the time to listen to this podcast. And I want to let you know we're here to help you. If you have any questions, please visit our website, gbcwc.org. Contact us. We'd love to help. Amen. Thank you, folks. We're continuing our study in thinking biblically and thinking biblically about speech. Quick reminder of where we were when we stopped, when we did stop last week. We were talking about a lot of times we focus backward on trying to fix or address the area of speech. And oftentimes we try to define what gossip is. We try to define what vile speech is. We try to go along those lines and say, okay, this is what's good. This is what's not good. So let's try and and limit it to what's good. And what we finished on was in Luke chapter 6, in verse 43. That's where we'll start, and we'll jump from there here this evening. Luke six forty three says, For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit. Basic, I know most of you out here are not arborists. You do not have a tree farm where you're growing different things. But it's a basic, simple statement that if a tree is poisoned, it can't bring forth good fruit. And if a tree is good... It won't bring forth corrupt fruit. And then verse 44 every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns do men not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. And here's what has happened many times with speech as we do not address the heart, we try to stop the outflow of the badness at the outflow instead of changing the source. And so it's not that we need to go around and try to figure out, is this gossip, is this not gossip? If you purify the source, James chapter three, same fountain can't spew uh, bitter and... Uh, sweet water. It, it, it's one or the other. And so if we will work on that source, if we will get that source cleaned up, then what comes out will be good. Well, we had a couple of questions uh, that came up from last week, and I don't know that I was going to specifically address it, so I want to address one right now. As one person asked a question, they said, Pastor, go forth. And this was, this was asked actually by a couple of different folks. What, what about the idea of improper speech, or what we would call profanity, or cussing? They were asked by someone in their family who decided what words were good and what words were bad. How, how come uh, some words can be said and some words can't be said? Well, I don't know about you, but every family has a, a little bit different list of words. I remember we were coming home from church one time. Our kids were very, very little. And my girls were in the back of the van and went, oh, Bailey, oh, Bailey, no, no, Bailey. And then, girls, what's going on? Daddy, Bailey said the S word. And I was very distraught. And I thought, why would, why would Bailey just randomly say the S word? And then Bailey started crying and, and said, no, no, I didn't. I didn't mean it that way. And I thought, how else could you mean it? Then I stopped and thought, all right, what word are we talking about? And then they spelled it out for me. And you know what the word is, S-T-U-P-I-D. And, uh, and I was like, okay, all right, so let's talk about this. And so we talked about that a little bit. But every, every, every family has different lists. But here's the idea is that the person was saying just because somebody says this list is not good or this list is not good, doesn't mean that it is a sin. So I want to address that because that is an area that is, it's a little bit, it's a little bit different than what we were talking about. Because the good treasure of the heart, bringing forth good things, does apply to this, but there there are some specific things in scripture. Uh, So we're going to walk through this and The folks in the sound booth are going to be thanking me very much for giving them some additional scriptures to add in. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 13 first. Okay, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 5 is where we're going to go. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 5. 1 Corinthians 13 is known as the love chapter and... It is where Paul defines love. In fact, Paul does such a phenomenal job of defining love that some people actually think that what he's talking about is, is specifically this type of word, this word agape. But Paul actually was saying this is what Christian love looks like. And we know this charity suffers and There in verse 4, is kind, doesn't envy, vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Look at that next phrase. When's the last time you used the word Unseemly. It's not a common word, right? We don't, we don't, well, that was very unseemly. Now, some of you, some of you are trying to think about it, maybe. Uh, some of you probably haven't used that word ever in your life, as far as unseemly. Um, but it's, it's not fitting. The basic idea here is love does not act rudely. So here's, here's the principle, right? right? We get enough right here from 1 Corinthians 13. Paul says love isn't rude. Who decides what is rude? there's not a like for instance is it rude to not say hello is it rude to not look somebody in the eye when you shake their hands is it rude when you walk in a room to not greet someone who who decides that kind of thing the bible does not say when someone sneezeth thou shalt say god blesseth thee so if somebody doesn't define that then then how do we know what's rude are you afraid? Have I have I asked so many questions from the pulpit and people have said and I've gone, no that you're nervous? What who do you think decides that what's rude and what's not rude? How many of you married folks figured out that there was a different list of rudes between family? Okay? Did you see how fast my wife's hand went up? <laughs> she put both hands up. She was she was praising right then. Okay? So so what is see that's the thing. Paul does not say, doth not behave itself unseemly according to whatever he just says it doesn't behave itself unseemly and that that governing principle means I as a Christian in showing love I am going to be careful enough to not be rude in how I behave because my my behavior is never going to be considered as unseemly And so while we don't have a list of words that are acceptable and are unacceptable, we do have speech that is, well, we have a word for it, unacceptable. Crude, coarse. Rude, brash. I mean, think of all the different words we have to talk about different ways that you can say it. And sometimes we'll say, well, that was very bold. Well, they, they just say it plain right out, don't they? Okay, But the idea is, there is, and and the Bible does not say whether or not the culture is right, it says you, as a Christian, your love should be such that you don't cross that line. Now in our culture, our culture is working very, very hard to try to remove that line so that you can say anything. But the truth is, we as Christians are not the ones that are supposed to be moving that line or crossing that line. I've even heard some people say, well sometimes you have to cuss to make a point. I don't believe so i don't believe that you can say that jesus christ was rude when it was necessary because he is god god is love love is never unseemly plain and simple but we're, we're not going to we're not going to leave it just there let's go to ephesians 4 29 ephesians four twenty nine. the bible says let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth Now, in our King James Bible, you see that word corrupt, you naturally think, okay, he's talking about something sinful here. But the idea is something that is filthy or corrupting. So the idea is nothing that comes out of your mouth can be considered filthy. It should be clean, okay? It has to do that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace to the hearers. So what a Christian that says, hey, I don't think there is any word that we can say, that was actually off limits because the Bible doesn't give us a list of words, then you would have to stop and say, okay, how does this particular word minister grace? How does this particular phrase minister grace? How does it edify? And so you, you would have to ask yourself this. You're in Ephesians 4.29. Turn over to Ephesians 5.4. He's talking about things that should not be a part of our lives as Christians. He says there in verse 4 of Ephesians 5, filthiness or foolish talking. Filthiness is again, dirty or obscene. Now again, who decides what is obscene? There is not a list. We're, we're, not, we're not looking for a list of acceptable and unacceptable. We're looking for that as a Christian. Nothing's going to come out of our mouth that can be considered filthy or obscene. Or this next one, foolish talking nor jesting. And jesting is basically crude or coarse jesting. Our world even has a terminology for that. And they will say that there is is humor that is a shock factor humor, that you just say things that kind of surprise you. And, and, And when you're put into a situation, some of you are different I've got both kinds in my family. If you're in a shocking situation, some people cry, some people snicker, uh, different things. But that crude, coarse joking is that shocking, Paul says in Ephesians, it it should not be a part of your speech. Look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3 and verse 8 we're going to look at. Paul says, now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy, obscene or dirty, communication out of your mouth. So the idea that Paul says here, for for somebody to stand up and say, well, God doesn't care the exact spelling of the words that come out of your mouth. No, but our culture delineates what is proper and what is improper. And if you say, well, you know, that, that's just for this or this, no, 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 um, there, there are things that we say, hey, listen, this is appropriate and this is inappropriate. And all of these things basically tell us, hey, as a Christian, we need to make sure that our speech cannot be condemned. It needs to be appropriate. And so I, I think it's very easily that you can stand on these verses and say, yes, it, it's absolutely obvious that a Christian should not be, be participating in obscene or filthy talking. It should not be something that is coming out of their mouth. That should not proceed. It must minister grace. It must edify. Okay? And so when that, when that question comes out, well, what is this? Now, the thing is, is that if you say, well, what about in our family? Because in our family, we don't say, we were one of those weird families, and our daughters, they make fun of us all the time for it now, because we had all kinds of words that other people at Grace Baptist Church could say that we couldn't say. They're like, Dad, why can't we say Bob Jones? You know, we'd say, well, listen, no, I'm kidding. I, I, I couldn't resist, okay? <laughs> but why can't we say these words or that? And, they were, and, and they, now they joke about it and all these different things. Well, that is because their mother and I decided for the go-forth culture of our house, this was not a way that we were going to talk. And so it's fine for a mom and dad to say, hey, this, fam- this is the family's culture. Mom and dad, you should set the family culture. Now, Dad, you ought to set the family culture all the time. Don't have a different family culture when the family's not there. It ought to, it ought to be the same across the board. But it's important that you, you realize that the Bible does very, very clearly and specifically lay out obscene, filthy communication that is not determined by a list from God's word, but it's determined by the people that we live with. We, we need to be above where we need to make sure that our speech is uh, is edifying okay so that question came up but now we're going to get into some of the more basic study i want i want to go back to ephesians 429 this is where we're going to kind of lock in for a little bit here this evening going to study this instead of looking at okay what is gossip what isn't gossip okay what is backbiting what's what's tailbearing what all of these different things I want to look at this passage and just kind of build a little filter, something for you to think about, okay, when I'm going to speak, when I'm going to listen, how can I use biblical principles to apply to this to help me to speak and listen appropriately, okay? And and it's very, very important. So you're back there in Ephesians 4, 29, uh, 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. So, obviously, nothing that is going to be corrupting, nothing that is going to be uh, denigrating, nothing that is going to be uh, causing difficulty. So, that's an obvious. But look what it says. But that which is good to the use of edifying. Somebody tell me what edifying means. That means to build up. Okay? That which is good to the use of edifying. Something that is going to build up, that is going to strengthen, that is going to encourage the individual. Now, some folks right there, if you stopped at that and said, well, some people, you know, misery loves company. So if somebody's having a hard time with someone, if I walk up to them and say, hey, are you having a hard time with that person? Because, you know, other people have had a hard time. And why don't you come over to, uh, to McAllister's and we'll talk about the hard time that we've had and, and will make us feel better. Listen, there is an obvious catharsis to sharing the difficulties that you are going through. Okay? Some of you are looking at me strangely. Catharsis. There, there, is, a, there is a good feeling that comes over you when you share with somebody else your struggle and they agree with you that it's a struggle. Are you tracking with me? Okay. We have an entire industry in the United States built on this. All right? Um, I know this is going to be perhaps offensive to some, but we have an entire industry of people going to therapy where they go in, they say, "Well, well, let's blame your parents, let's blame your mom, let's blame your dad, let's blame your environment, let's blame somebody... Yes, your life is difficult, and there is actually a, a, a school of thought within psychiatry where you just basically mirror back to them what they're saying. So they come to you and say, you know, my, my husband stinks, so I, 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 I get it. You're, you have a lousy husband, don't you? Yes! Finally, somebody understands me. And there is a certain amount of catharsis, but it's very, very small because it doesn't actually help. And so there is a certain amount of, when somebody is going through something and you go up and go, oh, was, was Pastor Goforth mean to you? Yeah, he does that. Let me tell you what happened to my family back in 63. And there's a little bit of, oh, you went, through, oh, yeah. And, there, oh, and there's a little bit of, but that's not edification. The, the, the false ideal of catharsis is, is, is something that I think draws many people into either listening Or talking, so let no corrupt communication, but that which is good to the use of edifying, and this last phrase, that it may minister grace. What does it mean to minister to somebody? Sometimes people in my line of work are called a minister, okay? And we're studying spiritual gifts on Sunday morning. Uh, He that ministereth, let let him minister. What does that word minister mean? Serve, okay? When you serve somebody, what do you do? Just think through it. That it may serve grace. How are you going to serve grace? I'm trying to get you to think about this. What is that? What is our source of grace? As Christians. What is that? God? The love of Christ, his word? So ministering grace would be doing what? Okay, ministering grace is sharing, encouraging, edifying, strengthening, using God's word. Now, here's sometimes where it gets difficult. Sometimes the kind thing to do initially may not seem kind. Now, if you're in the room and you're a mercy, okay, and you see somebody doing something very, very bad, it's very hard for a mercy to walk up to them and say, you're very, very bad. You should stop this. It's evil. Because a mercy has a hard time, and they want to be kind, and so a mercy will go up and will go. Um, is this the best way? Do you? They'll do many different things. They'll try to distract them. Hey, hey look, <laughs> a squirrel. You know something to try to get them to stop saying or doing what they do. Sometimes a mercy, if somebody is beating up somebody or complaining or gossiping, a mercy, instead of going, hey, you're gossiping, it's sin and it's wicked, stop it. A mercy will go, oh, but they really make a nice apple pie though, don't you think? I mean, I've been, have you ever, and they they will try to redirect the conversation to the person's apple pie. Oh, but there's such a nice, you know, one time I was over and it was just, they'll try to redirect there ministering grace sometimes is doing the difficult thing and it's naming sin. Let me ask you a question, just in your memory, do you think that Nathan ministered grace to David when he went to his house to talk to him about Bathsheba? Absolutely. We know from Psalm 51 that David was absolutely tearing his life up. Psalm 51, we won't go there, but he goes on and on about how he he felt as if his bones were broken, he felt like life was just not worth living, and Nathan came to him and ministered grace, and how did Nathan do that? He came to him and said, hey, I want to tell you a story. There's a guy that had a bunch of sheep. There's another guy in town, he had one sheep. The guy with a bunch of sheep took the guy's sheep that had one sheep, and then he killed the guy. And then David went, Oh, that guy is horrible. And Nathan said, the First time in history, you demand. You're the one. Now, was that kind? Biblically, it was because it was ministering grace. You see, confronting a sinning Christian about their sin is kind, it is not kind to turn a blind eye. Now, I picked on mercies okay what would the prophet do a prophet would run through the hallways pointing everybody they're gossiping stay away from that right there in the in, the, in the whatever color shirt stay away stay away they would proclaim it out now but that's not ministering grace because it's not kind so here are a couple of things we're gonna try to finish up by eight o'clock tonight okay couple of things to remember. Write these down, put them in your phone, and start learning to run things through in your mind as you're listening to somebody talk or as you're speaking because there are so many times that we get involved in gossip, okay? The very first thing I think you need to ask, and you need to understand this is not original with me. This is one of the things I remember distinctly learning from my pastor as he taught through Ephesians a long time ago, Pastor Ellie Traxler. And he said, as you, as you, if you're going to have this no corrupt communication, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace, three questions you ask yourself, you probably have a similar something that you have heard, but let's write it down and let's work on this at grace in doing this. Number one, is it true? Is it true? Is it absolutely true? Now, according to our culture standards, and let me remind you, we do have a chief magistrate in the room. How can you know something is true? Can you know it's true if the preacher's wife said it? Can you know it's true? How about the preacher? Can you know if the preacher said it? Can you know it's true? How can you know it's true? You've got to hear it. You've got to go to the source. Now, don't get tripped up on this. Are you telling me that this always happened when I, when I was talking to folks as a youth pastor, I'd say, hey, listen, um, are you telling me my son's a liar? I, no, I'm, I'm saying that something got mixed up in the transmission. Well, if something got mixed up, that means there had to be a lie. Well, no. Everybody in here who has ever communicated knows that there's times things get mixed up in transmission. But you can't know that it's true unless you have personally interacted with the source. One of the things that's difficult about what happens at, 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 uh, in places is that a person will come out and they will tell you a story. You will hear something. You will think on it. And it, it is amazing to me. One of the advantages of coming back to a church where I worked at before is that I, I have talked with some people who are in town and they forget that I was here before. And they will talk about, well, You should remember, like, you have to know, before Pastor Egerdahl came, a lot of stuff happened, and I'm sitting at the table with them thinking, (laughs) yes, I know, I was there, but I didn't say that, and as they started going on, and this, and this, and I had to stop them and say, "You, you do realize you're talking to somebody that was actually there, and they looked at me kind of surprised, and they, one of them actually started to argue with me. No, all of this happened after you left. No. No, I was there. I was was part of that. And it's, it's, it's amazing what we assume and what we look at and what we run after. You have to make sure that it is true. If you can't know that it is true, it has no business going in your ear or coming out of your mouth. And if you would just get used to that, okay, now, let me... Put this caveat. Okay? If we're in here, the building starts shaking, someone runs in that back door and says, It's an earthquake. Okay, you don't have to say, Well, I'm just because you say it's an earthquake, I I'm gonna have to see Geiger counters before I will repeat anything. And if somebody says, Did you feel the earthquake tonight? I don't know that I felt anything tonight. Why are you gossiping? Okay, understand that that there are times when it's just, you know, hey, there's a sale on at Walmart, okay, what's your source? Who's your source? I want to check on that. Don't go crazy, but number one, it needs to be true, okay, because if it's not true, it has nothing to do with God's word. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. So number one, is it true? Number two, is it kind? Kindness sometimes could be perceived as being mean. I've already picked on Bailey once tonight. She's not here, so I'll pick on her again. Bailey was our one daughter that absolutely hated getting shots. Bailey hated getting shots so much that honestly, till she was 12 or 13, she teared up when we got close to a hospital because her pediatrician, was right next to a hospital. So when she saw a hospital, she would just, she'd start tearing up because she thought, my parents have tricked me again. They're going to take me into those mean people who are going to torture me, who are going to do this and do that. And, and if you would have asked, at whatever age that she got a shot, if you would have asked her, are your parents mean to you? I, I don't think Bailey would have said yes. But I think in her little mind, she would have thought, well, why are they doing this to me? This has caused us so much trauma. Do not think it is kind when you see your brother or sister in Christ gossip and you say nothing. That's not kind. It's kind to be a Nathan in that situation and say, hey, we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't continue this. Now, if you know it's true, then the next thing is, is it kind? And at kindness, here's a definition of kindness. It ministers good to the person. Kindness in, in God's word, in, in our culture, kindness is the way that you do it. Well, bless your heart. That was, that's a kind way of saying so many very mean things, right? In our head, we're thinking, you are a moron. But we say, bless your heart. Okay, so it's not the manner, it's the manner along with it actually doing good. Remember 1 Corinthians 13, charity suffers long, and it responds with kindness. And kindness is something that is of benefit to the person. So sometimes confronting sin is kind, but sometimes encouraging, building them up. Confronting sin is absolutely edifying. So is it true? Is it kind? And then the last one, and this is one that is difficult, is it necessary? Is it necessary? And I would encourage you, simply because you are aware of something and you know that this person needs to be encouraged, I want to challenge you with the idea that you need leverage with that individual. We talked about the mercy having a hard time with wanting to make sure they didn't upset somebody. Well, other folks oftentimes will make the mistake of saying what is true, but they do not have the necessary opportunity to do it. To simply walk up to somebody and announce to them their sin. If you do not have a relationship with them, if you have not proven their love to them, if you have not established a relationship with, then you are, you're going to find it very, very difficult to absolutely minister grace to them. You need to understand, as a church, we are called to provoke, to consider one another, to provoke to love and good works. But one of the reasons why we often... Per- participate in gossip and don't stop the gossip is because we do not have that type of loving relationship with each other. If someone says something about your spouse, about your child, you are quick to jump in. You're quick to get aggravated if you, if you think that it makes them look bad, even if it's true. But because we don't have that relationship with other folks in the church, other people can say, well, that's so-and-so. I mean, that's one of the most destructive phrases right there oh, so-and-so is out there doing this, this. Well, that's so-and-so. I mean, imagine that. Imagine if somebody, uh, let's say I walked up there and somebody ran in and said, Pastor Gopher's out there beating up children. And then Mr. Martin went, well, that's Brother Dave. And he, you could come back to him and say, what did you mean that's Brother Dave? I was, well, I just, I just said it. I didn't mean anything by it. But what has that done? And so there, there are so many ways that we do do not have the opportunity because we do not take the time to love and encourage and strengthen and equip each other. And so I want to encourage you, if you find yourself participating in gossip, listening to gossip, or getting into these different wheelhouses, I want to encourage you to stop and ask yourself, why is that coming out? Why is that something that excites me? When somebody comes up and starts talking about, well, this person did this, this person did this, did they do this again? And that's something that lights a fire in my heart that I want to listen. Why is that? It's because there's something in there that's corrupt that the Holy Spirit needs to absolutely scrub out and get rid of. And sometimes it may be painful, but I want to encourage you. Those of you that say, "Well, Pastor Goforth, I don't want to be mean to somebody because I'm not sure that it's gossip. Well, what should I do? Here's one of the simplest things to do. If somebody comes up and says, hey, did you hear Pastor Goforth likes to beat up little children? Don't look at him and go, I I have not heard that and I will not listen to it. Just look at him and say, I hadn't heard that. Here, let's call him and put it on speaker. Hi. Hi, Pastor Goforth, this is so and so. He just said you beat up children. I thought that would be something we need to talk about. So explain it to me when you saw Pastor Goforth beating up children. You say, well, oh, Pastor Goforth, would that be kind to the person that gossiped? Yes. It absolutely could be. Because they may not even be aware. And they, they may go, well, no, I don't. I, I, and, and that may, for the first time, help them realize, wow, I just speak. Because listen, it is so pervasive. I said 8 o'clock and it's 8.02, I apologize. But it's so pervasive that so many people participate and they just go on and they talk about it. Listen, it happens in Grace Christian school. You know so and so teacher? Well they well, that's so and so teacher. It happens with the students. Well, you know so and so's kid, you know what they're like, they've been that way since first grade. Both times through. And the other teachers, yeah. And different things like that instead of okay, is it true? Is it kind? Is it going to minister grace? Is it necessary? If we will get to the point where we will start looking through those things and ask the Lord, Lord, why is that a pull to me? Search me, O Lord. Know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. It could be pride. It could be self-righteousness. It could be just the old flesh desiring. Proverbs says that gossip is like a dainty morsel. How many of you like dainty morsels? Let me ask it. A non-King James way. How many of you are foodies? You like something that tastes good? I do. I, I, like, I, like, I like tasting good things. Now, I'm not always a big fan of the stuff that tastes good and they give you one bite on it and it's a pizza-sized plate. You know, they bring it out and, hey, here's 79.95 for a half an ounce of something. But I like stuff that tastes good. The reason we like gossip is because to our sinful flesh, it's like a well-cooked steak. It goes down. Now, that's, that's the food I like. For some of you others, maybe a well tempered chocolate. I don't know. Okay? But that that's why, because our sinful flesh craves that, and you've got to learn, listen, I'm gonna make sure that it's true, that it's kind, that it's necessary, or I'm not gonna participate. All right, let's stand, we'll have a word of prayer. And then everybody will avoid conversations as we leave the church tonight. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to look into your word. I ask that you would go before us, help us to understand and to practice making sure that we listen or repeat nothing that we don't know to be true and kind and necessary to minister grace. Now, Lord, go before us. Be with our young people as they're right now listening to preaching. Lord, I pray that you would arrest their attention with your word and the Holy Spirit that you speak to their hearts. Thank you. We love you. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you.